boss right here, the name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says it no with his clear. Can do, can do, this guy says the horse can do. Welcome to Kentucky Derby Week on Going in Circles. This is the Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon, and I am the host of the Going in Circles Podcast Network. With us in just a few minutes will be our co-host on the Big Monday Show, Mr. Barry Spears, the sniper. We're going to be talking about all the big doings. The Kentucky Oaks card is drawn. The Oaks is a 14-horse race. Looks very, very contentious. It's not the greatest field. A lot of fillies in there that don't have the credentials that fields in the past have had. Kind of like the Derby, but it's a really good betting race. At the very least, that is something to be... Uh, looking forward to. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, the Derby, of course, and uh, our usual uh, Monday uh, discussions on, on various topics. We are going to have a special show on Thursday night. Barry and Jay Bidis are going to join us to handicap both the Oaks and Derby cards. We're, we're not going to go over every race, of course, but uh, we're going to pick out highlights, some of the stakes, and uh, some of the places where guys might see uh, some some value, some overlays. So uh, that's uh, that's on Thursday. We have, of course, Going in Circles live tomorrow. Um, the great Doug Salvador is scheduled to be a guest. Doug is literally one of the smartest people I know. He also um, can break down a race like nobody else I ever met. He's... Uh, he does the research like you can't believe, and um, he, he's an interesting character. I mean, he, he's a he's got an odd obsession with the Cleveland Browns, but hey, we can't all be perfect. Anyways, we'll be right back on the other side with the sniper, Mister Barry Spears. Hello, Mister Sniper. Hello, Mister Charles Simon, sir, sir. Welcome to Derby Week. That's what it is? It's Derby Week? I didn't even know. I didn't see anything on Twitter at all. I just wanted to make sure you you were aware. Oh, I'm aware now. Thank you. I appreciate that. I didn't hear anything all day. It it is Derby Week. It's also kind of an unusual happenstance that the NFL draft is this week as well. And I don't believe that's ever happened. The NFL draft generally was, was held earlier in, uh, in April. <clears throat> yeah. Um, that's weird because they had uh, no combine this year and they needed to give people extra time to mull over looking at the same players they've looked at for the last nine <laughs> months. <laughs> kind of like, you know, <laughs> when the Derby preps are over and we have a month to look at the field though this year, um, this year, some of the fields has, has changed almost on a daily basis. Uh, I, I actually don't even feel comfortable yet in declaring that we know who the 20 that are going to be in, uh, that'll be entered uh, Tuesday morning. But um, yeah, it's, uh, some similarities where there's so much uh, smoke now being being uh, produced <laughs> in the uh, by the teams trying to... Uh, I don't know, deflect attention, trick people, I, who knows. But, uh, you know, it's like we, you, you can only watch these derby preps so many different times before, like, you start to really make your head spin. 
Yeah, ain't that the truth? I mean, you know, it's the old paralysis by over-analysis. That is the truth. That's a good, it's a very, very good way of putting it, actually. I have to tell you, though, I don't know why I did this other than I made a conscious effort about five months ago, four months ago, to really not pay any attention to the Kentucky Oaks horses. And <laughs> my reasoning was, and, and, and I know it's weird, but the reasoning was that I wanted to just look at the field um, in as fresh of a manner as I possibly could to try to eliminate uh, all the preconceived notions. Now, the amount of information that we hear and, and, and talk about concerning the Kentucky Oaks is maybe 5% of what we get for the Derby, obviously. Um, and this year, with no real standout fillies, it, it's, it's probably been even a quieter uh, Oaks you know, prep season. But, um, you know, I, it almost got to be like where I was saying to myself, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to not watch these races. And, of course, you know, you wound up catching a couple of them. But um, I watched a bunch of them today. I watched all of the preps just about. And I think this is about as wide open of a field as you could possibly have. And it's kind of a bizarre looking over the PPs in that outside of a couple hopeless horses, um, like everyone has the same style. They almost all run the same numbers. They, they all kind of. Um, you know, want want to sit, want to uh, you know be stalking just a little bit off the pace, and no one has really done anything to like really um, uh, separate themselves from the field. I mean, they're so lightly raced, uh, similar to what we you know we're facing in the Derby, and that you just don't have a whole lot of form, and and no one literally has has separated themselves. They have. Um, Malathat is the five to two morning line choice, and there was a couple um, three to one shots. Um, uh, Chad Brown's horse um, that won uh, search results, search results, and uh, then the Brad Cox horse uh, from New Orleans. Um, you know, it's 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 very odd, and and everybody else is like long shots, you know. But I just look at the field and I'm thinking to myself, some of these horses might wind up five wide, like down the backside, because they've literally never taken dirt. I was kind of hoping you would say that because I was just going to resign myself to be a chalk eating weasel for the Oaks because I didn't find any horses better than search results or Malathat. So now, now you give me an excuse to 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 not be one of those chalk eating people. Um, but I, I I mean I say that now, but I probably once you know the time comes, I'm probably gonna lean to one of those two horses, probably the twelve, which is search results. But we'll see. It's not a big of a. The, the Oaks is, is a more normal race than the Kentucky. Derby. It is. And one of the things that really, it, 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 I don't know why it frustrates me so much, but <laughs> it frustrates me to see trainers treating it as though it's an extra at Delaware Park. Like Brooklyn Strong should not be in this race. 
he should not. And I get its owners feel like a lot of times that this is going to be their only chance to get to the Derby. And, and you know, the truth is that they're probably right. Probably right. Yeah. But guess what? <laughs> guess what? Going there for that three or four days, especially in a whatever kind of socially distanced world we have, it's certainly better than last year, but is it really worth potentially taking a really nice horse and, and running him through the grinder of a 20 horse race going a mile and a quarter? And when you go back and look at the charts, and I'm not talking about going back and looking at the charts from 1975, look at the charts <laughs> from 2018, 2017, 2016, and see how many horses that, that, that we thought were promising types that had more preparation than these horses this year. Never you turned know, out, never, never, never returned to form. Uh, a lot of them hardly raced again. And, you know, I understand the Derby is kind of like a different animal, but it, it's a different animal from <laughs> the standpoint of a 20 horse mile and a quarter race the first week in May when horses, a lot of these horses have just barely got, got to mile and a 16th races in four or five horse fields. We had talked about this earlier in the week, and I was thinking, you know, it's kind of this uh, either or scenario where it's either you get a shot at the Derby. And let's say you win, right, or you skip the Derby and let's say just win the the Belmont Travers Breeders' Cup. It's kind of like, you know, which would you rather do? I, I hear you. You know, and owners, owners, it seems, are just hell-bent on just getting to the Derby and running in it rather than winning. Derby is, is just different. And that is. is something that understanding that, saying, listen, when people find out you're a horse trainer, you know what the first – there's two things to ask, almost without fail. Do you win the Derby? <laughs> they, they, they ask you two things. The first is – Oh, all the races are fixed, right? It's like, yeah, I get up. I work 365 days a year. I get up at 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock in the morning. I, I, you know, <laughs> I, deal, I deal with all kinds of nonsense. I get the, uh, the labor boards chasing us because, you know, for whatever reason, we have uh, the, the racetracks change the rules all the time. The jock agents spin us, uh, you know, like you're, you, all the aggravation that you go through as a trainer. And you already know the outcome. And people are saying, well, you know, it's, it's all fixed. So listen, if it was all fixed, I, w- I would just show up at 1030 and with a mimosa, you know, and, and just get ready to cash my tickets and go to the bank. Of course, it's not fixed. <laughs> and if it is, I, no one ever let me. Nobody told me. <laughs> no, it's the truth. I was talking to a guy, a trotter guy the other day. And, um, and I know some people get pissed off about things like this, but you know what? Just deal with it. Um, we're talking about in back in the old days. Um, I mean, we're talking like the eighties. Okay. Um, sometimes some of the, uh, more, uh, nefarious drivers would, would, would set up a race and what they would do is they wouldn't tell the guy who they had, you know, (laughs) they, they, they were wanting to win the race. They would just say as they're warming up, hey, you should leave tonight. <laughs> so he would go to the lead and then they would, you know, ride shotgun and make sure he wins. 
and the judges would call the guy who won the race in because sometimes you know the the horse would pay ten dollars to win and the exacto would pay you know seven eighty and he would go in front of the judges and, and they'd be grilling him he didn't know anything <laughs> he, he wasn't he, he didn't have anything to do with anything. he wasn't in on it and he was he was telling the truth they could put a lie detector this I don't know anything all I know is I left and no one came and you know I won the race um <laughs> I don't know why we were talking about that, but we were. Uh, I, and <laughs> uh, it, I mean, it's just crazy. But um, yeah, they they that that's the first thing people ask you. Oh, the race is all fixed. Yeah, okay. The second thing they ask you is, oh, have you ever run in the Kentucky Derby? Or sometimes they'll say, have you ever won the Kentucky Derby? And that's it. Those are like the two questions you always hear. Uh, every once in a while, someone will say to me, and this is this is how society has probably been dumbed down. Well, do you ride the horses? <laughs> yes, yes I, I ride the horses. We have uh, uh, Clydesdale races that I, I ride in. No, I don't ride the horses. The only horse I've ridden in the last 20 years was Hank. Hank. And I got screamed at for riding Hank one day. And I didn't even, all I did was walk around on him. Hank didn't hold all that much energy, but uh, poor Hank, R.I.P. Hank. But um, that's the cultural uh, popularity that the Kentucky Derby has. I mean, it's a huge American sporting event, and virtually nothing else we do is a huge American sporting event. And uh, if there's a horse going for the Triple Crown, of course – it gets a lot of the notoriety that that um, more than it, it would obviously in a non triple crown event, but even the Breeders' Cup, especially in the Breeders' Cup where it falls in the fall. I mean, even now, right now, okay, you look at, at the sports landscape. Okay, baseball just started. College basketball has been over for a month. Um, pro basketball, they're, they're still not even in the playoffs yet. Uh, and, and a normal year, yeah, like two months. In the playoffs. But you're still, you're still, you're not like really into it. So, um, you know, football it, draft. You, usually by this time, the draft is is has already been held. This year's a little different. Uh, so, so the sports landscape is is pretty is pretty you know, um, it, it's it's pretty clear. So that always gives the Derby a, a little bit more um, probably oomph just because. There's not a whole lot of competition in the fall in the Breeders' Cup. I mean, how many times has the Breeders' Cup been preempted by Notre Dame football? Notre Dame was playing Toledo. They NBC would cut away to the Notre Dame game, or uh, you know, a pro game, or, or whatever. And, and uh, it's just uh, in November. You know, the NBA started, the NHL started. Um, it, it's uh, college basketball started, college footballs, and then in full flight. So. There's a lot more competition on the sports schedule for for the Breeders' Cup, and and the Breeders' Cup also, it, it's the one thing about the Kentucky Derby is for everybody else, it's a singular event. It's the Derby for us. It's the um, it's the whole week's worth, worth of racing. It's it's Oaks Day. It's the undercard. But for the general sports guy, the Derby is the Derby. It's kind of a singular event, and the Breeders' Cup. It, it's it's so many. There's so many races that it's just not the Breeders' Cup Classic is is a big race for, you know, for horse racing people, but, uh, in the general sports, 
um, seen. It's, it's just not seen on par with the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, that's fair to say. Very fair to say, actually. But it's just it's just odd to me that, you know, I don't know, maybe I just know too much, I guess, where it seems to me like, you know, for example, a horse like Flightline. Um, might end up being the best two-year-old or three-year-old, I'm sorry, and isn't going to run in the Derby. And it might, you know, that should happen more times than not. I mean, if you really think about it, just because of how grueling the Triple Crown Series is and then, you know, the, the, the way the campaigns are mapped out until November. Well, Flightline is probably fortunate in that he, it took him this long to get the right. races. Exactly. If, had he done this two months ago, they'd be pointing to the Derby, and he would be going directly from, from point A to point F, which is which is what so many horses fail to do, collaborate. Um, what was the horse, the other one? Um, prevalence. I mean, we've seen a lot, lot of horses. Don't really my feelings. Impressive, you know, maiden breakers that just go out there and crush the field, <clears throat> and then they're rushed to try to to get it's it's almost like a rush to get experience but it's hard to do that it, it's just uh i mean we've talked about it ad nauseum for the last six months uh, it was funny you put the you sent a tweet to me uh earlier today about a guy talking about the four horses that have three lifetime starts and how like it's kind of an under the radar thing and i'm thinking under the radar thing i've been obsessing over this for six months that <laughs> the guys are going to try to run horses in the kentucky derby in a mile and a quarter with like virtually no prep um yeah and you pointed out that there's one trainer with two of those horses <laughs> don't understand it you know i just don't i you know what bothers me it bothers me from the standpoint of we talk about the horses in the Derby charts that kind of disappear or have a long time off or never really come back. We don't even know the, 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 the amount of horses that were grinded up trying to get to that point that didn't even make it to that point that might've been nice horses had they just taken more time. And it's weird that I would say that because on one hand I'm saying, well, some of these horses should, should just need more time. And on the other hand, I'm saying, horses need to run more but it's it's kind of true in that some horses do need to run the 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 experience helps them and other horses it's not that not only they just don't need to run in these races they just need more time because they're just physically mentally not there yet and the mental aspect now jerkins used to hate that he used to hate when people ah mental what are you gonna have him read a book you know (laughs) but he never dealt with a, a an era where horses would go from a six furlong race to a mile and an eighth race, like bang, bang. It just didn't happen. You know, like no one would do that. It, it just wasn't considered, you know, proper horsemanship. Um, but the money is so much bigger now and the stakes are so much higher and the Derby itself. And, and I can't go back and say, Hey, Barry, you know, years ago, the Derby wasn't quite a, as big of a thing because the whole world was different. And I can't, I can't say that. I can't, I can't say that, you know, obviously there's more coverage. There's more media attention. It's, it's more of a worldwide event, 
than it ever was. But um, but it, it's it's the one thing that's changed. I mean, everything's changed in this business, right? We talk about the the breeding uh, business has changed. The, the the fact that we have so many horses going through two year old training sales, the fact that so many uh, well bred horses are hot housed as babies because they're worth so much that the people, um, the breeders and the, the owners that are going to sell them just don't want them to get hurt. Um, all, all these factors, all the surgeries that they do, that, you know, things that weren't done 40 or 50 years ago. But the, the Derby is still a mile and a quarter, and it's still the first Saturday in May, and the Preakness is still two weeks later going a mile and three sixteenths, and the Belmont's still three weeks later going a mile and a half. And it's kind of like a UFO dropping into the racing world, right? I mean, this, this this series of races looks nothing like anything else we do in the sport, but it's the most popular thing. And it's great, and I love it, and I'm happy, and we talk about it. I mean, how much time have we spent talking about it? We, we talk about it every week, and, and honestly, I Pretty get more every day on, on, on that than, well, that and Stewart's. But other than that, the stewards, <laughs> stewards, stewards have always been kind of in that. We just didn't know it because we only were seeing one, uh, one, one set of uh, races a day. We, we didn't have access to all the, the races we have access to now. But this derby, I, I really think, and last year's derby was a little bit of an aberration because it was September. I mean, the winner of the derby last year wouldn't have even run in it probably had it been in its traditional May 1st, uh, you know, first week of May um, spot because he, he, he had just come off a bad race. So last year's kind of a, a throw out in a little bit of ways, but, but this has got to be the least qualified derby field that there's ever been. I mean, yeah. we have horses in there that have like four points. <laughs> That's like, absurd. They did so little. <laughs> and and the thing is, we started off the prep season in January, the three-year-old prep season, kind of complaining because the fields were so small. And I'm thinking, you know, nobody wants to run in January and February. But all of a sudden, May, they're just throwing anything in there. It's It's, it's crazy. I mean... Well, the, I think the, it, it points to evolution of the of the system. And, you know, that's one of the, the main gripes I have with the industry. It's one of those things like, oh, well, this is how we've always done it. So they went and changed it from, you know, the, the graded stakes earnings to the point system. Now it's at the point where the point system needs to be revamped. Right. And, and you got to figure, well, who who's going to make that decision to change it um because it it's in obvious need like if there's any any other year or any other proof that you would need that it needs to be retooled this is the year so if they change it next year that would be perfect you know that way we don't have this debacle that we have this year where literally half the horses don't belong and probably don't have a shot Unless some something happens crazy where all the horses just stop running at the top of the stretch and then one keeps running. You know, other than something like that, some bizarre scenario, if they run the, the derby 10 times this year, um, 
nine out of those 10, we pretty much know who's going to be around at the, at the top of the stretch and who's winning because half the field is that bad. True. True. Now, we, we've talked about it in the last couple of weeks about how maybe tweaking the Derby point system. Yeah, it's run its course. It needs to take, a, to take away a little bit of the, the, the lottery type aspect of the end and, and make earning points earlier a little bit stronger because it's better for horses to race three or four races before asking to run a mile and a quarter. It's just it's better, period. If the horse isn't strong enough to do that, then he shouldn't be in the race. Correct. I mean, if he can't take prep races, and it's not like we're, it's, it's not like we're saying, hey, have your horse cranked up to – to uh, you know, peak in January or February. No one's saying that. No one's saying that. You can just look at the you look at the horse's numbers. Even the ones that ran in January and February. <clears throat> you know, it's not like they ran huge numbers and then tailed off. It's a natural progression. And the unsaid thing, and this is the one nebulous um, part of this whole argument or discussion, is that a lot of trainers feel like they're under pressure to get to there, to get to the Derby, that that's what their owners want them to do. That's what they say. Hey, I just want to be there. You never know. Minette Bird can happen. Giacomo can happen. And, and the fact is those two horses winning probably caused some of this as well, because people look at those horses and they didn't have real credentials according to them, but those horses had raced a lot. They just hadn't run that great. But they had raced a lot. I mean, mine my bird, bird definitely he'd did. been all over the place. So the horses had an, uh, a, a good, solid background, uh, a good foundation. And I mean, I wasn't picking either of them, but um, that's the difference between that and, and a horse who's got three or four races, or, or a horse that has a couple bad races. That's why it's kind of disappointing that Greatest Honor isn't running. Because I was very interested to to put that theory to the test because, you know, clearly he, he probably would have had the most races out of everybody in the in the field. Um so it's a it's a little disappointing, especially the way he was running. Um he kinda stubbed his toe a little bit, but Yeah, I mean let's face it, he he wasn't um you know, he's not Seattle Slew. No, but, but like you said, he kind of the horse that progressed and got a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And, and he was a difficult horse to ride. And he didn't really seem to want to run on the inside. And uh, I mean, certainly you would think that the pedigree would have been sufficient to, for a mile and a quarter. He had you know, seem, seemingly a, a good foundation, but he got hurt, you know, and it's like that happens. It's. That happens with all horses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> horses, horses get hurt all the time, and it's it's a it's just one of those things. But but um, I mean, listen, griping about it's not going to change it. We still have need, we still need to come up with a winner. So <laughs> uh, we are going to have a show on Thursday. Um, we're going to start taping at six. So we're going to go over the Oaks card, the Derby card. Um, some of the Oaks card races that I've looked at aren't going to take a whole lot of time, (laughs) 
because they have some <laughs> prohibitive favorites. Um, to be frank, the Oaks card really isn't that good. Uh, it's 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 not really compared to. I mean, it's better than your ordinary Saturday at Churchill Downs, but compared to previous Oaks Day, it, it's it's not great. It's uh, I mean, I think two of the better betting races are the two races after the Oaks. Huh. Have you had a chance to look at it at all? Yeah, I perused. I, I kind of took the, the first look over. And, yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, I thought the card last year was pretty similar. I think we ended up kind of lucking out and getting a, a, a slight price in the in the Oaks itself, which kind of helped things. Because I, if if I recall correctly, it was it was a lot of chalk. Mm. Like, a lot. Well, I mean, just just looking at the Oaks card. All right, the first race is an allowance race. It's it's actually a shockingly weak allowance race. Um, it's three old fillies going a mile, and there's really no horses that have have, have shown. You know, there's no like impressive maiden breakers, and uh, it, it's it's a really soft race. I mean, it's a it's a decent sized field. Um, seven, I guess. We're kind of beaten down to the point. Watching Santa Anita, where they run fours all the time, so sevens not better. You know, <laughs> I think that race, you know, kicks off the day at ten thirty in the morning. So uh, happens. Some people still be sleeping. Uh, the second race is, is, a, is a, another mile race, and it's a, a maiden special. Uh, again, it's it's a bunch of horses that really haven't shown very much. Doesn't look like there's a lot of future stars coming out, out of that race, but. Um, it's a pretty well-matched race, and it's a nine-horse field. Um, the third is a six-and-a-half furlong uh, three-year-old fillies, uh, A other than uh, sprinting, obviously, it's a six-and-a-half furlong. There's like there's some, a couple decent horses in there. There's an interesting horse. Brad Cox has got a, uh, a Louisiana bread that's never raced an open company. Uh, it's just <laughs> galloped for is four for four at the fairgrounds of delta against louisiana breads um chad brown's got a, a horse that broke its maiden last fall uh coming back uh off the layoff uh maker's got a horse the uh, philly finished third in the uh the amalfi princess who i bet like four different times the only time i didn't better <laughs> is the time she won um, so there's a couple of decent horses in that race pretty, pretty nice field the fourth is a mile and a sixteenth, uh, Ayla then for, for three-year-olds, uh, three-year-old fillies. It's a, a, a full field, a um, couple of interesting horses in there. Uh, Bill Mott, who's been on absolute fire uh, this year. For the last six months. Um, he's got a filly named Another Woman who uh, who broke her maiden at Gulfstream. Uh, kind of in a long drive, but, but looks like the type of horse that might... Uh, might go on. She's she's probably going to argue with uh, her favoritism there. Rusty Arnold had one that broke his maiden in England, and uh, Dallas Stewart's winning twenty three percent this year. Like, hello, Dallas. Uh, <laughs> Dallas is usually around nine percent this time of the year. Uh, uh, in that race, Chad Brown's got a horse uh, on the comeback trail, a curling filly uh, called American West. It was a nine hundred twenty five thousand dollar yearling that. Finished second to the <clears throat> favorite uh, Malathat last uh, last year in the Tempted Stakes. Uh, it wasn't exactly a close second. But <laughs> it was a five horse field, and he got beat seven lengths. But um, you know, she makes her season debut, and, and she's by Curl and uh, 
well-bred filly, so she, she obviously has a has a chance to uh, you know to progress. And kind of interesting that, that he's bringing her back her first start in uh, a two-turn race, not a one-turn race. So I thought that was kind of an interesting race. Uh, the fifth race is is actually a pretty good race. It's a, uh, a three other than uh, optional eighty claimer uh, mile and a sixth. Uh, mile and eighth on the turf and, and these are always good races um it's uh there's a couple claimers in there that finnick the fierce who was gate who was vet scratch last year from the derby which of course was a good thing because the horse was lame um ever dangerous who i jinxed his last two starts by betting on <laughs> george weaver i'm sure would buy me a couple lunches if i would stop betting on his horses uh, there's a horse named Big Dreaming in there for, for Wayne Catalano that, that uh, looked like it was really coming into its own at the end of the year last year, and uh, end of its three-year-old year, and, and then kind of has had some time off. Owen Hardy's got a couple in there, or got one in there. Brian Lynch, uh, Spooky Channel, who's you know, my buddy. Who, who wins. He's nine for 19 lifetime. Six-year-old with 19 starts, but he's got nine wins. So that's, a, one, that's a good one, race. One. Stung that one at the Pegasus in 2020. Now we're supposed to get weather um, on Thursday. Well, Thursday is supposed to be bad day. <clears throat> doesn't look like there's any escaping Thursday, but but it's supposed to be good for um, for Oaks Day and for the Derby. And, and you know the the long range forecast, which of course is always a little bit spotty. Um, <laughs> they had had said that there was a possibility of rain for the whole weekend, about 40 percent, but but that has changed, and, and now it looks like uh, it looks like we're not going to have any um, any rain on the, on the big two days, which is uh, which is good. Um, Marshall Sterling at Grade One Handicap on Twitter, who is the a weatherman, horse player, and an actual weatherman. Um, he gave us the uh, the forecast uh, this morning. Said the models are in agreement about the timing and amount of rain this week. Rain is expected to start. Wednesday late morning and go till Thursday afternoon. A total amount of rain is 1.5 inches likely. Oaks will be dry. So, so that's our guy, uh, Marshall Sterling. That's that's our weatherman. He doesn't even know it. You know what? We don't need no Jim Cantor. We got this guy because he plays. Right. He could be the official weatherman of the Going in Circles podcast. <sighs> Tell you one thing, he he might have told me today that we're we're in the indoor studio at the, the the indoor home studio tonight because it's too windy outside, man. It's it's real windy tonight. Yeah, it was a little little. It got a little not not chilly, but it was windy out there up here too. So yeah, a little too windy for us uh, tonight. Probably going to head over to the pump tomorrow night. Okay, a okay. A little bit. We got it's uh, Wednesday, the last day. Wednesday. Uh no, Sunday. Sunday. Tomorrow, Wednesday, and Sunday. And then uh the pomp is done till uh the fall and next year it's gonna be like the uh Pomp is gonna play the southern version of uh the southern trotting version of Arlington. Mm. It's gonna be I, the, last, I, the last year. Got to plan a, a trip to go down to the pump because uh, my wife's never seen a harness race in person, and she's very. Well, listen, if if you can get her down here tomorrow <laughs> or Wednesday, we might be able to get her drive. <laughs> 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 
No offense, but uh, Dave Miller's gone, bro. <laughs> it's, it's open. It's open. Everybody can win. Yeah. You <laughs> get a set of colors. You're the, you're good. And we're not talking amateurs either. We're talking the the, the regular races. <laughs> the main guys. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of sad. I mean, uh, you know, like I don't want to really think about it, but uh, I mean, that's that's where we're at. I mean, that's that's where we are at. I, it was uh, Hawthorne just ended in, in Chicago, <clears throat> Chicago, and Jim Miller put up a picture on Twitter this morning that they the the meet ended last night or late afternoon, and they had the uh, the tractors on the track converting. Right to the harness track, because that meet starts next week. They have seven days, literally seven days, to turn the track over from a, a, a thoroughbred track to a standardbred track, and uh, get the barn area cleaned up and get it all going. <clears throat> They're the last track in the country that does both. Um, now the Meadowlands was supposed to last year. There was supposed to be. Uh, a thoroughbred meet on uh, using the dirt course at the Meadowlands. Man, but they need to bring that back. Obviously, COVID kind of uh, screwed that up. Um, I don't know that there's going to be a stomach for it because I, I just don't know that there's enough horses, especially at that time of the year uh, up in the Northeast. Guys are, are kind of looking to uh, looking to go down south, you know? So I, I don't exactly know if that's going to happen, but it, it's a, it's a tremendous expense. Uh, the number I heard was a million dollars converted. So, uh, right. and I don't know if that's converted and converted back or if that's just to convert it and then another million dollars to convert it back. So that's a lot of money. That's a couple million dollars. Um, so, So, yeah, Hawthorne is literally the last track. You know, Del Mar once ran a a harness meet? Really? One year, yeah. Hollywood Park used to run harness. Actually, they ran a a good harness meet at Hollywood Park. Uh, I think Bay Meadows ran a harness meet. Uh, You know, Pompano actually ran a quarter horse meet. Huh. Wow. There was a lot more. Uh, Garden State, of course, they, they used to have both trotters and uh, and in the Meadowlands, you know, for years had 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 both uh, had both. But um, yeah, yeah, time passes by, and unfortunately, the game shrinks shrinks more and more and more, and it's uh, that sucks. But again, I mean, unless I hit like six six different power balls, and I can just uh, go around, you know. Fixing things, it's just kind of hard to hard to see. I mean, we, we have all kinds of issues down in, in, in this state in Florida um, with the coupling, with this, with that. And, uh, I mean, the legislation is, is a mess. They, they they passed or tried to pass this compact with the Indians, and um, I listened to a, a piece Daniel Wallach, who's a who's kind of turned himself into the preeminent uh, public legal mind for for the the gambling industry, or at least the sports gambling industry, he is adamant that this proposed compact that um, has been kind of agreed on by the Seminoles and Governor DeSantis here is going to be declared uh, illegal 
Um, Jeez. A lot of technicalities about, uh, I, I guess, the, the way the law reads, the federal law reads regarding the, uh, the, uh, the Indians is um, that all those gambling activities can happen as long as it's on Indian land on the reservations. What they were going to do was let the Indians control sports betting. And everyone, the paramutuals, and it's like 30 paramutuals in the state, which is kind of crazy when you think about it, because there's literally two tracks or three tracks left, but <laughs> all the high lie, all the dog tracks, all the fake tracks, uh, you know, so, so there's quite a few that, that are going to have an opportunity to get sports betting if this thing actually makes it. And what would happen was uh, Gulfstream, for instance, would, would run their own um, sports betting operation though they would probably farm it out to someone else. Um, and everything would go through the Indians. Um, you know, you'd have to give them a cut. And uh, basically, they're the house, and, and you're like the representative. But the way, he, you know, what Wallach was saying was that that's going to get struck down. And the Indians are, are not going to be able to um, offer the sports betting to everyone else as, as the house. And they were really kind of banking on the fact that the servers would have to be placed on, um, you know, the Native American ground uh, on the reservation. And then because mobile betting would be bet through the server, that technically the bet would be made through, uh, you know, right. into the ground. But right. apparently that has been tried a couple places and the law doesn't look real promising in that regard. So what ultimately must happen, and this is this is again, I, I, I'm not, I, I, I'm just repeating what I was told, um, is that if it's struck down and the compact is struck down, and apparently there's language in it that will allow the Indians to have sports betting exclusively at their casinos on the reservations, but there would be no mobile, no one else would be able to have it. So eventually they would get a monopoly on it. And not only would it get a monopoly, it would be um, you would have to go to physically place the bet, which, of course, is um, in this day and age is ludicrous. So uh, and, and honestly, from the horseman standpoint, we are probably not getting any of this money anyway. So. Right. Uh, <laughs> but from the, the standpoint, as long as. Um, you know, it, it, and sometimes as, as horsemen, we kind of get a little bit uh, resentful for the, you know, what the racetracks have done, especially Churchill I'm talking to you about, you know, basically smiling and then stabbing you in the side, <laughs> uh, stabbing the racing side, but you know, whatever. Um, but it's still a good business for, you know, it's still good that the tracks are profitable businesses. And, um, you know, one thing about sports betting though, it, it to me, it's really scary is that is the sports betters and, 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 uh, horse players are, are cut from the same cloth. And I do think that, that sports betting is going to eventually siphon off a lot of our money. Um, it hasn't really happened yet. But it hasn't happened um, because the, the the legal sports betting is still there's not that many states that are that are doing it yet. So 
I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope. I really do. I hope I'm wrong. I don't want to be right about this. Trust me. <clears throat> no, but uh, no. I, I mean, what you're saying is only logical as far as that goes, because the more states that will bring on sports betting, it can't be good. <laughs> you know, there's there's no upside there <clears throat> for horse racing, anyway. No, it's it's competition, and it's 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 it's. It's well organized competition. It's um, FanDuel. I mean, DraftKings. These people are spending tremendous amounts of money uh, on acquisition of new customers. Tremendous amounts of money. Tremendous amounts of money. Like racing's probably spent <coughs> literally. I'm not. These are realistic numbers. Literally a nickel a customer to try to get a new customer. I mean, really, literally a nickel a customer. They're spending seven, eight hundred dollars a customer in some states. It's crazy the amount of money that they're putting up to try to get new business, to try to to, to get into markets and, and expand their footprint. Um, we don't have that kind of money. It's obvious. It was actually kind of telling that Churchill Downs, which is a big corporation, does have plenty of money isn't nearly big or strong enough to really become a player in the sports betting industry. Um, no, they need a partner. <laughs> they, they don't want a partner. They want to go with themselves. No, they don't. And they don't seem to want to really make a big go of it. It was very odd uh, what Bill Carstangen had to say a couple of weeks ago at their, their, their annual or their quarterly meeting where they announced that in you know, all the plans to, uh, to build a hotel and uh, a slot parlor, more or less, at Churchill have, have all been, been put on hold as well. But, um, I mean, there's a lot of different dynamics. But, um, you know, New York is, is on, the, on the cusp. I mean, they'll probably have it by next year. Um, and we'll see. I mean, there's, there's no other there's, – there's not much we can do at this point. I mean, I think it was really kind of telling – um, and I'm going to have Steve Scrunchy on probably next week to talk about what went on in the legislative uh, branch of our government in the state of Florida, uh, talking about the, the coupling, about the, the laws that um, uh, there nothing has actually happened yet about maybe trying to have a racing commission, an actual commission in the state, uh, um, uh, and, and just kind of uh, uh, <laughs> the what's the old saying um, about how the sausage is made, you know, <laughs> and the way they make sausage in, in these uh, <clears throat> state capitals is, is kind of scary, but so we're going to have him on uh, probably next week to talk about that and, and uh, um, you know, tell as many stories as he, as he can without having Mr. DeSantis put a hit out on us. But um, yeah, racing, we, we don't have much say. <laughs> Uh, and, and I mean, that's not like a big surprise in this state, in the state of Florida, there's two real big um, entities that dominate politics in this state. And that's uh, <coughs> Disney, Disney, and, uh, the Seminole gaming, you know, Oops. the Seminoles and Disney are the two biggest. It, no one else is even in the, the same category. It's not even like remotely close. So. Um, I don't know. I've always said that uh, 
that was one of Disney's biggest plans is to to build a casino somewhere on that property. Don't forget, Disney owns ESPN. I know. And they were very, very quiet. Um, Very, very quiet in regards to this. Like, they haven't really taken us. They haven't said anything about anything. Uh, And if the other, um, if the, the, the compact pass, the, I don't know. I don't even know if they're eligible to, to, to have to be involved. I really don't even they know. Wouldn't. They wouldn't. They it, wouldn't. It, it seems. They wouldn't be. It just seems odd that they, they haven't been involved in any way, shape, or form because they generally, even if it, it's like, you know, through lobbyists and it's not like public proclamations, um, you know, people with political power generally use it, uh, even if it doesn't directly concern them. Sometimes they use it to, to position themselves in case something comes up. But uh, that, that might be the main reason why it wouldn't fly on top of all the others. Because, you know, Fox Sports is, is, is going partners with Naira Betts. So, I mean, they're, they're an actual, uh, you know, they, they own 25% of Naira Betts. And they, I think they have the ability to buy up the, the, the almost half, you know, 49%. So Fox Sports has gone into or is trying to go into um, – <laughs> In a, in a bigger way, the, the sports betting network. So, um, but they're really the only company that has, I mean, honestly, it's, it's a weird place in the media now in that, uh, I mean, just today, the NHL has, is, is going to be off NBC um, for the first time in a long, long time. Turner won the, the secondary contract. So it's going to be back on ESPN <laughs> and now it's going to be on Turner. Um, and I don't know how much of that has to do with, um, NBC kind of ditching their sports network and going to streaming. Um, I, I really don't. I mean, I don't have the particulars. Just, just I've, I've you know what I read. But Turner only paid like two hundred and twenty-five million dollars a season, which That's deep. <laughs> is not really a lot of money. Um, not really a lot of money at all. And I almost have to wonder if hockey's not a real popular betting sport. For other other than you know Canadians and, and like northeastern bros, you know, so I, I almost <laughs> wonder if if that's not part of the the thought process and that they're just not going to overpay for something. I, I don't know; it's hard to say. I, I really don't know. And the, the money we're talking, I mean, we've talked about this on on this show about NBC going to streaming, and that NBC does the Triple Crown races. And yes, the Belmont and the Preakness and the Derby are going to be on NBC. They're not going to be on the other cards, you know, the other things. But they do do undercard races uh, as well. And especially if you're looking at a year where you're going into the Belmont Stakes and you don't have a triple crown potential, there's no way NBC is going to do five freaking hours on, on regular TV. So if they don't have that sports channel to kick it onto and, and it's going to be kicked onto streaming, I mean, it's something that we've talked about before, and uh, certainly the younger people don't have any issues with that at all. But you know, the older people aren't that that privy, you know, or that uh, you know, tech savvy. I don't know how, what kind of issue that's going to actually be. I mean, it's 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 very odd in that you know you have NBC, who's kind of going the other way from the way Fox is going, who, who and Fox is is like doubling down on their sports networks. Their, their secondary sports networks and and they're they're, they're desperate for more um, content. I mean, which is one of the reasons why they cover racing because 
you know, we're cheap. They, they get a lot of hours out of us and uh, Naira does the production. So, you know, we're ridiculously cheap for them to, to we're cheap programming. And that's just the way it is. Uh, it's a benefit to our business. Absolutely. It's not, not a knock, but um, it just kind of, you know, who knows where the, the whole, um, you know, where we're going to be because so many people, you know, what's the saying? They cut the cord, right? They don't have cable. You know, it's just funny you say that because I was reading an op-ed the other day that was saying quite the opposite because now that streaming has, has quote unquote flooded the market, the prices are driving up and it's not any, it's, it's becoming the same as having cable again. Well, the only There's no advantage other than the fact that you can watch it on your phone. But the, you can the, do that the big anyway. difference is, though, that with streaming in general, <laughs> you have a lot more control over the content. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, cable, they want to whack you with these these tiers. And, I mean, a lot of times you're getting a whole tier of channels because of one channel that they have. And yeah, that's basically which, why I have TVG. I mean, yeah. I had to go up to, I think it was gold or something with Spectrum in order to get TVG. And I have a bunch of channels that I would never watch. Like literally, like maybe probably about 30 channels that get no run in my house at all. No, I, I um I um I, I don't have cable here. I mean we just watch um streaming basically. Streamers. I mean basically I just watch horse racing and basketball and baseball. That's that's literally all I watch. Yeah, um, I mean Beyonce uh, TLC that gets a lot of airplay on Sundays in my house. You know, Sabria, the breeze, she's all over Disney Channel, Cartoon Network. And then my son plays video games, so he's the internet. <laughs> Basically. He doesn't even watch TV. Right. No, it's true. And I mean, listen, if you can get someone to set you up, if you get the, the fire stick, you know, TVG is, is on a bunch of the Roku, Roku and on all those. Um, and you can set up, you know, through your through your computer, like through your ADW provider, you can get it. I mean, listen, I can't fix it for you. <laughs> <laughs> but it can be done. And it's just a different world, different world, and uh, I mean, it's just the way it is going to be, you know. Yeah, it's interesting because you know, like we've we've said before, the world's changing. Is is you know, at least in America, the world's changing, and and you know, things are going to be different, and it's a, it's going to be on the racing industry itself to make itself evolve and and adapt and survive. Without all that, it's it's just, uh, you know, we can't be running in place, you know. And I've said this before, running on a, a 1950s <laughs> business model in 2021, and it's not working. No. No, and it's, it's, it's like, um, you know, you just wonder sometimes, Uh, how much and you know we talk about racing a lot like quote-unquote racing there is no racing there's no racing there's no single entity racing is 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 um 
Every man for himself. It, 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 it's like a it's like a, a, a beehive, right? And you see the bees are all going all over the place. Like we don't even have a queen. You know? <laughs> like we're just all over the place. And Churchill does what they want. The Stronic group they do what they want. Naira does what they want. And 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 and, and like everybody's attached to an ADW provider, like uh, a content provider, like Monarch or whatever the Churchill Downs one is. So we wind up with these situations like we have in Vegas, which is ridiculous. It's been, uh, it's been like yeah, a year and a half weird. where where it's about money. And, and it's not even about a lot of money. And it, it just there's 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 ways of fixing these kind of issues. But I, I wonder sometimes if the tracks really want to fix the issue. Right. They That's just, the main they don't thing. care. And they're like, well, if we give in to you, then we got to give in. To, eh. It's like, just make it happen. It's the Las Vegas, man. The Mecca. Come on, bro. You know. Yeah, it's just it's it's crazy. I don't I don't I'd love to be a fly on the wall in, in some of these meetings that these decisions are made or not made or or talked about at least <clears throat> because they do have to talk about it. Right. Um, but I, I would love to hear the conversation and the rationale behind certain decisions that are made and and or not made. Um, I will. I will say this. I, I will. I will make this proclamation, and this I think, pretty close across the board, that even now, and I think racetracks know and pay attention and and have more of an idea of what the customers are looking for now than they ever did. But that being said, I still don't think they have eighty percent of what they they think they know they they're wrong or, or it's it's not right you know it's, it's incorrect um well how do they get it wrong every time that's that's what i can't really I, I just think that a lot of times the, the focus is somewhere else and it's whether the track owner has um it's just listen it's not that different in the nfl if, if arthur blank for the falcons wants to take a quarterback they're going to take a quarterback because if they take anyone else and god forbid the guy gets hurt they're all going to get fired well, sometimes with a, you know when when you want to run, you know your owner wants to run in a derby. You either run in the derby or it takes a horse, gives it someone else. And yeah, but the racetracks are, are are kind of the same in that when Churchill Downs has their committee, their 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 steering committee of uh, uh, you know future planning, whatever it is, and and they're like, well, we want to de-emphasize racing, even though um, they're losing money in the short term, de-emphasizes racing. Or maybe even in the long term. I, I just think that's what they do because it just seems like that's what they do. I mean, we know that Stronach Group uh, is is owned by uh, a lady who's not really that into racing. Um, and uh, as such, uh, some of the the promotions and some of the things that that get uh, that seem to have importance don't seem to jive with what your everyday customers are looking for. It's just a little bit of a disconnect. And that doesn't mean that the executives don't understand. Um, but they they don't always get to, to, to make the shots. Believe me, you can't convince me that those guys wanted to ban Lasix and stake races. You can't convince me that they did. I don't, I don't think any racing official did. I don't think any racing official in the country wanted to. But what are they going to do? They're, they can't take a stand and get fired for it. So they got to, you know, they go along with, with, with what their bosses tell them to do. It sometimes... You just have to go along with it, and, and that's that's just the that that's just the shame of it. And as horsemen, 
we're kind of in that situation as well in that um, I, I explained it to a guy the other day. I said, you got to understand, you, you can't take it personal when the track doesn't give a shit as much about us as they give a shit about the casino. And, and we're not, we weren't talking about Gulfstream actually, because honestly the casino here doesn't do that great. But um, we're talking about uh, another place uh, up, up in the Northeast. And I said, listen, look at it like this. You got a 10 horse stable. You got five stake horses. You got five 10 claimers. Who's, who's your best groom going to rub? The, the, the stake horses, right? Who's your best rider going to ride? The stake horses. Who are you going to pay more attention to? The stake horses. Why? Because those are the better horses. They make you more money, right? So that's how the tracks look at us. We're the 10 claimers now. And the casino is the stake horses because making money from the casino side is way easier than making money from our side. Right. Look, look at the expenses. Look at the expenses. What do you think the expenses in a backstretch are? Imagine the water bill, the electric bill, the liability insurance bill, uh, the maintenance bill. Um, you know, you got 40 barns on a backside or 35 barns wherever you're at. Imagine how much money it costs to, to, to replace the roofs on those buildings and, and the, the plumbing and, and um, just the, the, the general maintenance and what their, their water, uh, what their tax bill is. I mean, <laughs> not even taking into consideration, you know, just the general racing part, the racing surface itself and um, the amount of land that we're taking up. When they own a casino, they just put up a building. That's it. That's it. You know, it's 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 far simpler. And that doesn't mean that I, I, I sometimes get a little bit aggravated because I think if it's done in conjunction, uh, I mean, there's no reason why. Uh, I mean, gambling is gambling is gambling. If you're going to have a facility, um, why not offer as much you know diverse gambling as you can? To me, it would make made sense. But but I'm a biased person. I'm not unbiased. And I do remember there was a study done at Parks. This is a, a, a ways back, uh, but not you know not not too far back. They've only had slots for like what, twelve years or fifteen years. That showed on race days. Uh, of course, race days were also you know Saturday was the biggest day. I'm sure Saturday is the biggest day for casino as well. But they were doing thirty or forty percent more money uh, in the casino on race days. That included Mondays and Tuesdays versus like Wednesdays and Thursdays. Um, it just, and it made sense, but that doesn't seem to matter because I think sometimes they look at the expense of putting um, that show on. It's it's just, uh, I mean, I don't like it, but I, I mean, I've come to grips with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's interesting to, to know. Um, <clears throat> like you said, I'm sure they're, they're saying, oh, well, Look at how much more we could have made if if racing wasn't around. Even with the 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 thirty percent more when race days are on, like they could justify it, I'm sure. Yeah, this is true. And you know what the tough thing is? I can't call up a guy and ask him these kind of, you know, who works for a racetrack and have him on the show and ask him these kind of questions because he can't really answer them. Right. <laughs> that's, it's, that's it's, unnerving. It's, it's, it's tough because there's, uh, you know, they're, they're, all those people work for somebody else too. You know, all, all, all the people, every, everyone pretty much works <clears throat> for someone else. And, and that's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, 
the, I tell you, there's a really interesting horse on the uh, undercard of the the Oaks um, in the uh, the turf sprint. Oh, really? That's my specialty. Yeah, there's a really interesting horse. Um, Unless it's Diamond Oops, I don't want to talk about it. Diamond Oops is in there. Diamond Oops is back on the turf, Mr. Biancone. But there's a horse in there that might be the best American turf sprinter that we've seen in a while. Striving a kid? A horse called Fire. Oh, Fire. Yeah, Fire is back. Uh, be... no, nobody's nobody's ducking fire. Nobody's ducking him yet. Uh, to be honest, there's not enough turf sprints in this country to duck anybody. You don't <laughs> run in this one. Where are you going to run? Um, but fire has really never been been close to headed, or or close to touched. I shouldn't say headed, but close to touched on on the on the turf since he moved over there. Um, now. He's never, of course, run in a caliber race of this, uh, you know, the, the, the turf sprint, which is a grade two. And, um, you know, outside of extravagant kid and, and the imprints probably has most of the, the better horses, uh, you know, better turf sprinters around. Um, but it would be interesting to see Faya, you know, how, how he, uh, you know how he how he handles. Uh, he drew both. You know he drew a good post. He, he drew post three, um, and then, you know he he ran in a couple stakes races. Uh, he ran in the the Claiming Crown, five A sprint, the Canterbury, and he ran in the, the Maryland Million Turf Sprint uh, back uh, last fall in October. But those are both restricted stakes, and this is a an open stake. But his numbers are really good, and he just looks like you you watch the horse. He just looks like he's winning these races effortlessly. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting. I, I think that's really an interesting, an interesting race. And, you know, last year, I think that race was, uh, was the race after the, the Kentucky Oaks this year. Right. It was, it was the, the very next race because yeah. Diamond Oaks, oops, yes. uh, killed bet Diamond Oops that day. He killed me. Just bet him. And he, and he tripped out, he, he, he tripped out for his life. I mean, he, he stayed on the inside, everything opened up and, and he just got up over extravagant kid yeah because i had extravagant kid all over the place yeah and then he went to the dirt and and uh he won the phoenix and, and then uh kind of crapped out his last kind of tailed game. off yeah but he's been working bullets so uh, we'll see uh, he doesn't get the inside post this year he, he draws outside but it looks like a really good race it's uh maybe he can reach back for that uh strawberry road form that we all know so well you know, Patrick Biancone told me an interesting story about Strawberry Road. I don't remember all the parts about it. <laughs> he, he actually trained that horse for a while. Oh, I know. Yeah. He was, he was a good horse. Strawberry Road, he raced all over the place. He raced in Europe. He raced in the U.S. He raced in Australia. He came in, I used to see him in pedigrees once in a while, but. Kind of an interesting horse. Before that was before horses shipped all over the world. Didn't he run in the in the second Breeders' Cup? Yes, he did. He almost won it. Finished second, right? Yeah. To Pebbles? No. Uh, theatrical. I think. Theatrical. No, 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 no. Theatrical was uh, Trampolino. Um. That was, that was a great race, man. 
That was a great Breeders' Cup uh, <laughs> when, when uh, Theatrical held off Trampolino. The Aqueduct Breeders' Cup was like the best of all time and gets no love. The Aqueduct Breeders' Cup was... Uh, it was very, very it, good. It's almost like it's a forgotten, like it even happened. Yes, he finished second in the Pebbles. That's correct in the Aqueduct Breeders <laughs> Cup, nineteen eighty-five. I know my stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he had run. He, he, it was kind of crazy. Like he started off in Australia, and he went from Australia um, to Germany. Hmm. He, he raced at, at Baden-Baden, and he won. Um, I think the German Grand Prix. I don't really speak German, but it was a grade one race. So he won that race and he shipped over um, to the U.S. I think this is when Bianco wound up with the horse. Um, He ran in the uh, the D.C. International, which at the time was, you know, still a huge race. Um, And was only three weeks before the Breeders' Cup turf. And then he ran a fourth in, in that Breeders' Cup turf in 1984, which was the first... You know, the first year he left Hollywood, he went to France. So <laughs> here's a horse that started in Australia, went to Germany, came to the U.S., went to France, came back to Belmont, <laughs> came back to the you know to, to the U.S. and 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 you know finished out his racing days in the U.S. But um, uh, you know he, he wound up winning 17 races out of 45 starts. So. Not bad. No, really, really kind of crazy. But uh, and that and that was before horses. I mean, yes, horses traveled back then, but not not like it is now. Now it's it's so much easier to put a horse on a plane and to ship them somewhere. It, it's just uh, you know, it's it's just so much, uh, so much easier. You know, like I remember Leo O'Brien went over and won. I think it was four stars all star won the Irish Derby. I, th- I think the Irish Derby, and that was like this monumental occasion. Yeah, I remember it was a huge deal. Yeah, it just those things didn't happen, um, and now I kind of we kind of got used to it with horses going over to Ascot all the time. Uh, you know, Wesley he, he ships he, he races more to Ascot than he does at Keeneland, but um. You still don't see a whole lot of, uh, you know, what's interesting. And I think we talked about this one other time. It's interesting in the trotters, how many horses you see from Australia, New Zealand wind up in the U S yet, uh, thoroughbreds. You, you hardly ever see, see Australia. Never. Horses, you never see New Zealand horses. I don't think racing in New Zealand, uh, the thoroughbred side is really all that great. Uh, doesn't not look nearly like as, not nearly as good as, uh, uh, the Australian. I mean, there's, I think wouldn't Farlap from originally from New Zealand? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, visually, you know, I watch races there all the time. Don't bet very many of them, but um, the horses look kind of slow. <laughs> Whatever that's worth. Yeah, I mean, you don't hear about horses uh, from New Zealand going anywhere really too much and winning, but um. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting in that uh, it doesn't really happen much. And now that we have, you know, turf sprints are big over there, and as many turf sprints as we have now, you would think that 
that um, you'd see more horses be imported from from there to here. But uh, I remember yeah. uh, Brian Lynch had a good one. A well, few. Brian Lynch himself was imported from over there. Yeah. Well, he also imported a a lot of weed too. <laughs> so there's that. But there was one really good horse he had. I forget the name from Australia. And the horse was a bleeder, I guess, and came over here and made a made a nice little career. Not not a long career, but you know, whenever whenever that horse showed up, he, he ran well and, and won. Yeah. Damn, I wish I remember the name. It'll come to me. It always comes to you like two o'clock in the morning. Pretty much. And you wake up with uh <laughs> with when you wake up and you can't tell anybody because you know it's two o'clock in the morning. If you call if you text them, I think you're nuts. <laughs> But um, yeah, tomorrow uh, I I I, get, I do have Doug Salvador on tomorrow, and if oh, you don't boy. know Doug, Dougie Sal, he is one of the most insane people in in the the world has ever seen. But he is as knowledgeable, um, and and sharp as as you're ever gonna find. I mean, he will like study something to death. He will go up and look at charts from 1934. I mean, it's just. There's no stone left unturned, but uh, he's got a great opinion, and uh, he'll talk a bunch about uh, um, the Oaks and the Derby and uh, whatever else is on his mind. I'm, I'm sure he's going to want to talk about the Browns and the draft, but oh, the Baker. Browns are in like a good good situation, which just seems kind of nuts. Yeah, well, they they also said that, and look at where they ended up. I saw an article the other day where it said the Browns have like the perfect roster. I'm like, whoa! They still got they still got Baker at quarterback, bro. Right, the guy the guy was more or less a walk on. Just a lot of commercials. by accident. Just he saying. does do a lot of commercials. He's pretty good in the commercials. He can dance too. He's a good dancer. He's an excellent dancer. But I mean, it's funny because you know the the way. They took him out of college and things like that, and he, he wasn't really a scholarship guy. You yeah. know, not saying that that those types don't do well, but I think he's, they do what he's doing now. He did better last year than he had, so right. But, but game you know, manager, don't just don't screw it up. Yeah, the the Trent Dilfer method. Right, let everybody else do their jobs. Just don't turn the ball over. And I know everyone, they, down, everyone down here in South Florida is on pins and needles. <laughs> really? People here haven't 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 paid attention to what the Atlanta Falcons are doing more than they ever have. Because Shopping Falcons here. is where the draft starts. Because the first Holy career quarterbacks for sure. If you think people buy yearlings, like you always see these yearlings, right? Nine hundred thousand dollars, and they're like they want to pay twenty fives. Can you imagine the, the guy that signed Matt Ryan? You got to pay him like $38 million the next two years. That's <laughs> <laughs> absurd. They'll cut him before. Hey, they... at least the $900,000 horse might turn into like a good show horse or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's crazy. Mon- the money's nuts. It really is. But um, yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, the draft is, uh, is, is, is really late this year. It's really late. It used to be. 
I, I remember when I lived in Kentucky. Early April, right? Yeah, like Keeneland was still on when, when they when they had the draft. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So we'll have you on, uh, you, and, you and Jay on. Uh, JB. Speaking of, of JB. Uh, uh, time to look through the cards. Lascano's coming back. Lascano's back. He's back. My man. Jay's got to work again. I think he was getting a little stir crazy there. For I'm sure he was getting a little stir crazy. So, yeah, he's back and uh, he's all fixed up now. No more excuses. Can't complain. Right. Yeah, let's let's keep my man healthy in the winter circle. I can't believe you know. I read the story about him today. He's 36. It makes me feel old. <laughs> he was a bug. He was 16. He was when he was a bug in New York. He was sixteen. I didn't know he was that yeah. young. I knew yeah. he was young, but I didn't know he was sixteen. Jeez, yeah. when, when he started, he was sixteen. Six, 20 years later. Yeah, crazy. Yep, just crazy. And when you know when Jay first hooked up with him, he was he had lost his bug. He he, he didn't have any business. I don't know what something happened to his agent. I think his agent got sick or something, and he wound up it, it called her, um, and he wasn't hardly even riding there um and i remember jay calling me and I, I had a bunch of horses i had about 40 horses at the time and i had i was trained from a stair and i would go to tampa in the winter with with half the horses and the other half would, would usually go to uh the fairgrounds and he called me up and he said hey if i get this kid lascano will you ride him i was like the guy that the bug boy is that new york i was like he's like yeah i go yeah that guy's good where's he been it's like you're never gonna believe it. And he told me the story, and I was like, "Yeah, that ride, that guy, he's 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 a good rider." Um, <laughs> and, you know, I Jake, hear that Jay had him, and they, they they went right up the ladder, right up the ladder. So I can hear that conversation in my head. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? I mean, if they don't hook up, who knows? Maybe he goes back to Panama. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, if he doesn't do any good, he's not doing any good. I mean, and still, he was still, he was only like 18 years old. You know, when you're 18 years old and people are kind of saying you're washed up already, that, that's got to be, a, you know. Yeah, that's, that's not a when You don't speak builder. a lot of English. And, um, but I mean, just uh, sometimes, you know, one, one little, uh, you know, cross paths with someone and everything changed. And, and that's, that's, you know, that's kind of how it worked out for him. And he's made a nice career out of, out of, out of, uh, you know, he was he was the leading rider at Tampa. Then he was the leading rider at Monmouth for a couple of years, and um, you know, and, and he's never been the leading rider. At, I mean, he might have been the leading rider at Aqueduct a couple of times, maybe, but you know, he's always in the top seven, eight, nine in New York. Which, I mean, that's where you want to be. I mean, that, that's where the you know that's where the best riders are. So there used to be a big debate. Remember, there was a big debate. Whether who had the best jockey colony, California, when they had Delahousse and, and Kai and Shoemaker and and um, Chris McCarron and, and and all those guys and and uh, you know versus the East Coast. Oh yeah, there was a there was a long time when I was in college. It was a it was an actual debate whether the the New York colony was better or the California colony was better, and what racing was you know was was 
uh, West Coast racing better than, than East Coast racing. It was I mean, just now, so different. I mean, now I mean, you'd, you'd laugh if anyone told you West Coast racing was better at most anything. I mean, you just... Well, the, I mean, the good horses in like California are still really good horses that can go win anywhere, but everything else is, is just not, you know, it's just been so, um, so watered down. And I think losing Hollywood Park really, really, really hurt. You know, I know, really, even, even when it was cushion track. God, racing does so many stupid things. Remember when they changed? All out of the blue, just they just out of the blue. Go for change. He changed all the surfaces, the poly track. Yeah, yeah. Without any kind of, you know, data or anything, they're like, yeah. nope, this is what they, we're doing. Listen, they did it with Lasix. They do it with the whips. This is what this business does. True, true. They and just, then they had that debacle at Santa Anita. Remember, they had to close it for yeah. like a couple months, wasn't it? They they had to redo the surface and the drainage and. And then yeah, they're like, yeah, you know, yeah. we're just going to go back to dirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now Gulfstream wants to put in, uh, I mean, I, I don't get that either. It doesn't make sense to me. I wouldn't do it personally. I think it's going to, I don't think it's going to be nearly as uh, successful as they, they seem to think it is. I, I just don't think people want to race on that stuff if they don't have to. And, you know, my, my, <laughs> my litmus test is how many, trainers ship to Woodbine and race over there on their, you know, all the guys that ship up to Canada, they, they, they either have, you know, Ontario breads or they go up there to run on the turf. No. Oh, why, don't they, why don't they, why don't they go over there? They got good purses. The horses aren't that good. Huge they purses. Wanna, they don't, don't want to run on that stuff. Yeah. Well, Delmar Polytrack was like the worst. I hated it. Couldn't stand it. You know, it's really amazing what's happened at Delmar in terms of um, the track safety and, and things. Delmar was literally the worst track. Like, they had the most problems, and everybody knew it. Um, but everybody loved being there. Everybody wanted to be, go to Delmar. Now, Delmar is... Uh, there was a meeting in West Virginia talking about the racetrack and they're having trouble at Charlestown, and they brought Mick Peterson. And <clears throat> Mick Peterson's kind of like the the guru of, of tracks. Um, and they were kind of t- you know asking him questions, and they, and one of the the commissioners asked him a question point blank: If you owned a horse, where would you want it trained and raced? One track, he said Delmar. And he said it's, it's amazing that. You know, not that many years ago, that would be the last track. And now it's the, the, the record is just phenomenal. Um, even with the, there's a tremendous amount of traffic over that track. There's probably more horses going over the track than it, it should have on it. Um, but that's just kind of a, it just goes to show you when, um, you know, various facets of the industry put their minds to it, they can get things done. It's just so hard to get them to do it and it's so frustrating on the betting aspect because there's like guys are literally screaming on a daily basis what this is what you should do and the people don't want to listen they don't want to listen and it's crazy because it's it's like you could do better (laughs) you know 
Like we're trying to help you. We're trying to make you do better. And it's not going to cost you anything. It's just a shifting of, of, of focus more than anything. Um, and I just think, and, and this is not to get into this subject again, but I just think we try to dumb things down. Like people, we want to play the races should be kind of smart. You don't have to be like Einstein, but they have to understand the probabilities um, that, that when there's a two to five shot in a pick uh, four, that using that horse with other horses in the same race makes no sense. You either have to, to, to accept him or you have to beat him. But all the money you waste uh, spreading that race is going to destroy your value because you wind up spending more money than you can possibly make. And it, it's a simple concept, but for some reason, uh, and this is not all, it, it, it's like, I understand why guys who, uh, they're supposed to be, we don't really have public handicappers anymore because no, <laughs> no, no tracks cover the races. Um, but you have people who work for the track and, they're giving out selections and they're giving out tickets and the TVG, of course. And it's just a broken model. It's just a bad model. Um, well, it, could, like, it could be improved upon. And that's the thing that people the, like from the one side are like, why are you not trying to evolve? You're not evolving. Well, yeah, I mean, it makes no sense. Uh, you know, I could, I could see, and I, I could, you know, effectively kind of come to grips with if if someone was giving out let's just say a win bet but the same people that that are doing these things and trying to dumb it down are giving out four horse five horse boxes um which is kind of complex in the big scheme of things so are you really dumbing it down i mean if they just pick one horse and say i like number seven i think they're, they're dumbing it down in the fact that they want to quote unquote cash tickets. Right. Yeah. That's that's no but good. But cashing tickets isn't the, the isn't, isn't the the important part of this game. The, the important part of the game, it's like baseball. Getting hits <laughs> is not as important as scoring runs. That's why a home run is more important than a single. Three singles can get you no runs sometimes. One home run will always get you a run. Well, if you so, think about it, when when somebody learns how to play the races, right? Um, they were taught by somebody else. What keeps them coming back? Winning. <laughs> Making more than you came to the track with. That's it's pretty so, it's so true. Nobody goes to the races <laughs> and gets hooked saying at the end of the well, day, I cast wow, a I ticket, like 50 so. bucks and I got back like, you know, 52. Um, some people are, 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 are never coming back. Some people are going to come back. They're going to come once a year. Some people are going to come because their friends went. Some people are going to go for the social aspect. That's all fine. And it doesn't mean we have to, like, when those people walk in. The, we don't need to cater to that. We, we, no, well, you don't need to, when they walk in the door, say, how much money are you going to bet? $50? Okay, slap them in the face. No, you need to bet more. <laughs> no, they're, they're allowed to come. And, and you can have a program for those type of people. But you could also have a program for people who are actually, um, like, like trying to figure out what the best way of doing things is. Like we give, like we have, we're gonna have a show on Thursday, right? We're gonna talk about the cards. We're not giving out betting advice. 
I mean, we might say, hey, you know, I love this horse and, you know, I'm betting him because I think he's going to be a great price. But we're not saying, all right, this is the pick four and this is the play I'm going to make. I'm going to make 50 cent pick four, one, six, four, or three, four. No, we're not doing that because I, I, I never, I, I just, when I set out to do this and do these podcasts, number one, there's a lot of other guys that are doing that. We don't need to be another one. Number two, like all of them, (laughs) I can't, I can't tell you what to bet on Thursday uh, for Saturday's races. We don't know if the weather is going to change. We don't know if the first four races are going to be won by horses coming from dead last. You know, Uh, we we don't know if there's going to be key scratches. I I just sometimes there's so many different variables, and that that was always the thing. Like, uh, always had respect for guys that did public handicapping in like the, the newspaper, because when they were putting their picks in, they were guessing a lot of times they didn't see key scratches. They didn't know about weather changes. They didn't know about the, how to track was playing that day or, or whatever. So uh, th- that, that was, you know, kind of a, a variable. There's variables that they just, that, that you as a horse player are going to, are going to uh, pay attention to as a horseman, you pay attention to them. I mean, you get in a race, and the other main speed scratches or, um, you know, something, you know, like you watch the first couple of races. Uh, I told you uh, when we shifted a finger like to Kelly Kip. Yeah. John Progno came and ran over to me. <laughs> Asked me one dumb question. Is Alan coming? Yeah, he's coming to the finger like right. Um <laughs> But, the th- you know, the second question, you know, it wasn't a question, but he said, hey, listen, speed is golden. They, they scrape the rail inside. It's like unbelievable. And. I went up and I watched a couple races. And like I said, I think it was the second race. It was like a 50 to one shot, a horse that, that, that was getting, that would stop at the quarter pole every time. And the horse ran right to the wire, just got beat. And I was like, man, that guy was right. And we wound up sending Kelly Kip. And, I, you know, sending Kelly Kip wasn't exactly a novel plan. <laughs> but I told Samin, get to the rail and, you know, get around a firm success and get to the rail. You can't let him get to the rail before us. If he has the rail, he's got the advantage. So, I mean, he went like 21 flat to get to, to the inside. And, and it worked because the, the, you know, the track was really speed favoring and the inside was really good. But that is something that maybe if we don't know that, we say, well, you know, if he outbreaks us, just sit outside of him. You know, it's like the, 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 the variables change. So you have to change your, your strategy. And, and, and that's one of the things like these guys are putting tickets in. I don't know when they're putting tickets in. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'd really be hard pressed to to think that, you know, an everyday, quote unquote, everyday player or, you know, more than the average person did not have some success early on in order for them to be everyday players. True. I, 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 I just couldn't see that happening. You know, somebody losing their shirt or cashing a ticket every now and then. Um, like you said, you know, I spent 24 bucks and I, I got 30. I, I, I don't see that happening. It's, I, in my head, at least, <laughs> I don't know the statistics on it, but I, I would gather that most everyday handicapper type players, the grinders, people that will come back, repeat customers, had success early on. Why not set them up for success early on? That way they become those type of people that will come back. And it all revolves around winning. And, and the only way you win is by betting well. The only way you bet well, 
is by understanding. And it's not that difficult. It really isn't. Um, I, I, I picked it up when I was, you know, eight years old. And I've evolved from there, of course. But I mean, just the whole concept was pretty simple or is. I remember we learned a lot and, and the game was different. They didn't have um, the horizontal bets like we have now. So uh, obviously the wagering was was different back in the the era where I was kind of learning how to bet. You know, you read the Andy Byer books, you read the Stephen Chris books, read the you know a couple of the other guys' books, and uh, Mark Kramer, who, who actually listens to the show. Yes, he does. Um, but I remember like Harvey Pack would have guests on. Uh, and, and he would always have them, you know, give a selection for the next day and, and kind of explain why. And it didn't really have much to do with betting because, you know, they were just giving a horse. But, you know, you learned by, by listening to the reasoning that they had. And uh, I remember when we first thought about key races and how you'd get a chart and keep track of the charts. And then every time a horse won, go back and circle. And sometimes you'd get to a race and had two or three horses came out of the race that, that won. Well, you'd be looking for the other horses coming out of the race because you knew that race was a strong race. And, and just simple things like that. Just, and I know that's a handicapping thing, not a betting thing. But that's the, the, the idea is to make your, your, your customers smarter. Um, and I, I wish we had a way to get the dumb money back, but I, I just don't see it coming back. I, I just don't see it coming back. Um, there's just too many other things to bet on. So you're always going to get guys that just want to go out and fire. They just read the form and, and they're just going to go out and play. And, and they, they, they probably don't pay attention anyways. They're not, they're not even looking at, like, I have to be honest. I never look at what these guys play. I never look at anyone's tickets and I don't pay any attention to them. Matter of fact, it distracts me because I'm, I'm, I'm sick enough to think sometimes <laughs> if that guy likes my horse, I'm not going to bet because he's a moron. <laughs> it's the truth. It's, the I, truth. I, I, it's I, like I, all week. I'm like, please don't say who you like in the derby. Please don't say who you like in the derby because if I think you're stupid and you like the same horse I like, I'm not gonna bet him. I mean, it's almost like <laughs> ignorance is bliss sometimes. But <laughs> it's the truth. No, it's it, true. It, how many times you've been sitting there watching your horse and your horse is making a big run, and then some retard next to you starts screaming, "Come on, four! Come on!" Four. And you're thinking to myself, "Well, this guy bet the horse for dead," and the horse all of a sudden it's like a. Uh, it's like a tractor beam that comes out of nowhere, like from Star Wars. <laughs> Pulls him back, blows the, the horse bad down because this this guy who can't possibly <laughs> ever win is suddenly on your horse. Yeah, the only that's, time that's it doesn't a, work is that... when the guy is one of those guys that that that, that uh, roots for like six horses in a race. <clears throat> it's a let it ride story, right there. Yeah. That's all that is. I mean, a- I... ask ask, uh, ask ask your cousin Dave Spears about a. a, a well, he wasn't really a friend of ours. A guy we knew. <laughs> a guy that, that was that, there. That used to do that. He would root for every horse in the race. And I swear, after the game, <laughs> after the race was over, he'd say, I got, I got, I think I got that. I got to look at my tickets. I'm like, man. <laughs> oh, man. I, I mean, when my, my wife was working at Highlight, there was plenty of those. Oh, man. Just complete mush jobs. It, like, to the point where you could rip up your ticket for sure. As soon as the guy yells, whoever. Sometimes one of, some of the funniest things is if there's a race going off, maybe it's a race you're really not paying, you know, 
I've, I've not have much interest in. Just watch people at the track. Oh yeah, watch them, watch them watch the race. It's like the greatest experience ever. <laughs> My wife calls it uh, horse player bingo when <laughs> when she watches people watching races. Beamy did the uh, oh that video that was that, phenomenal. That was <laughs> that was uh, that was really great. That was really great. I mean, there's some on YouTube of the guys, you know, going to the stick, uh, using the program, the the rolled up program. But I mean, where else in in, in society can you act like that, right? Nowhere. <laughs> I mean, even at a football game or a baseball game, I mean, you can really only kind of cheer like when <laughs> something's happening, and you you can't just like throw your program and, <laughs> and storm around, you know. <laughs> Oh, I put up a video from the Pegasus like that. Had it had all the flavors in there, man. I'm telling you, man, it's 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 some of the, and, and it's probably not as good as it used to be. <laughs> there used to be more characters at the racetrack, but there was a lot more people at the racetrack. But but um, that was always the funny thing. Like when we were growing up upstate, you'd be used to the harness track, and the harness track there'd be some guys over there. There's friends of mine, they're still around. They they would they would abuse the drivers something fierce but but uh it, it was kind of it was kind of quiet you know relatively speaking until uh you know the summer me came and August came and then uh then then you know the the maniacs started showing up and <laughs> you know what's funny is uh you know usually with things like that especially being a regular at the track nobody really knows anybody's name so we just nickname everybody. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, is it, so all, everybody had a nickname. Nobody knew. Nobody had a name. Nobody knew their name. Nobody no. knew anybody's name. We had like a neck brace. Bob was the guy at Saratoga. <laughs> this guy wore a neck brace for like four years. We had a guy unnecessary loudness. He was just so loud for no reason, and he'd yell and scream at the top of his lungs every race. We had Rico and Slimmer and, and then uh, I mean, the Indian and. I mean, there was there was so many. We had guys. dread. Like, and, we oh man, yeah. like so nobody many. had names. I mean, I didn't know guys' names. One guy we called Big Daddy because he used to wear this shirt, like a jersey that said Big Daddy on the back. Oh, the OTBs, man! They were even. Worse. Oh, it's the greatest, man. Like the 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 the, the OTBs were like a. a, a... <laughs> A societal experiment, man. <laughs> I mean, really, some somebody, some uh, what are they? The psychiatrist should, should have should have done some sort of study about oh, like, man. New York City <laughs> OTBs and people talking to the speaker. And I told you about the story. I told the story about the guy who who claimed the the stewards didn't know what they were talking about. Um, they took the wrong horse down or something. The horse didn't do anything, and then we didn't have video. It was listening to the call. <clears throat> and then one guy said to him, "You mean to tell me, based on the call, you can tell if the horse got interfered with or not?" <laughs> and the guy who actually started to make his case, and it was—I was about, I don't know, thirteen or fourteen—and I was like, "Wow, like adults can be completely nuts too, you know? It's not just like <laughs> spastic kids." <laughs> And then the letters, you used to bet with the letters. Oh man, yeah, they didn't even show the replay. You know, what that, I mean, that was the a screen movie. with the letters, the G, the G in the in the F race. 
It's crazy. Absolutely absurd at the OTB. I used to go with my grandfather in Brooklyn, and it, it was just it's just phenomenal to see all the activity. I did, I, it was just too much for my senses when I was a kid. I, I was like, wow, this is nuts. And everybody in there smoking cigarettes at the time because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't uh, outlawed or anything at that point. So it was just like a big cloud of smoke and people looking at a TV and filling out bet slips. You know, there's a great Seinfeld episode when Kramer goes to the OTB and he bets the mutter. The mutter was a mutter. And, and you know, it, it really kind of captured what the OTBs were like. And, you know, the, the tellers were kind of, you know. Uh, obnoxious, rude. Yeah. <laughs> the same. Yeah, it was like, r- 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 obnoxious. And, and uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was uh, it, it was a trip, man. It was a trip. I remember, I tell you, we used to, used to have, they didn't used to have simulcasting, so. No, they used to while, be a big race. Like, the Arlington Million was always the year. Every year, we always look forward to Arlington <laughs> Million because uh, they would have a separate pool. I mean, the Kentucky Derby and the, the, the Preakness, they always had separate pools for two. Or, no, I think, I don't know if the Preakness was a separate pool, but the Derby usually separate pool. So, you got different odds in New York OTB than you did at the track, you know? Uh, Arlington Million was the same thing. You, you got different odds, and and I remember um, watching. You know, they would put the uh, uh, we we used to badger them to put the call, the, uh, the 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 TV feed on, not just the track. You know, the track feed. They would take the track feed and they would cover the odds, and and we'd try to get them to put the the TV. Uh, you know, the ABC or whoever was covering it because they would show the odds, you know, every once in a while anyways. And then we'd, we'd figure out like who's big underlays and big overlays were. And sometimes you get the European horses and they'd be like 13 to one at the track. And at, at the OTB, they'd be 60 to one, like crazy prices. But, uh, in the Derby too, I remember there was times like the East coast horses in, in New York city OTB, um, bet down, they were way over bet. And you could always get a, a, a an overlay on the, on the West coast horses. They'd be uh, five to two at the track, and and they they'd be nine to two in New York City OTB because they are pounding the crap out of the uh, the East Coast horses. It was it was a it was a different, um, it was a different thing. I mean, listen, uh, the way we have it now is, is a lot better. Than it was I mean, <laughs> but it, it was it was fun. It was it was kind of you know unique to uh, to 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 look at it like that. So. So it's uh yeah things change. Now we can bet. Now, now the other day I woke up at the three o'clock in the morning and I was like, oh Hong Kong's on, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually I, I cashed a, a ticket at Hong Kong. It wasn't a very big one, but I was just happy to win. They had a really good horse over there. He almost got beat. He's won like fourteen in a row. Jeez. <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. But, uh, anyways, well, make sure you study up. Um, oh, I will. I am ready. Well, not ready yet, but I will be. I did, Oh, I just wanted to, to shout out to uh, a guy named Pete Renato. Oh, Pete. The Swift hitter. Pete was giving out nation. tickets. 
tickets to the Derby. Pete put up all this money. I mean, we're talking thousands of dollars because he's a good guy and he wants to like do the right, like do good things. And I know those guys get a lot of crap sometimes because they're maniacs. But the fact of the matter is that, <laughs> that what they do is, is, is stuff that the track should be doing. Yeah, I saw Papa B. Be doing. But Papa B you know had a tweet that said that the guy is 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 uh, putting up money to get ticket packages and 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 to bring you know to bring people there and and give them a, an experience that you know they'd never get a chance to have and um, just trying to grow the game, trying to make people happy, trying to get more people exposed to uh, you know the the good days. I mean, because l- let's face it, uh, I mean. We can all complain about like what the big days have kind of done to the other days, like especially Saratoga, where they've, you know, used to get a great estate, used to run the, uh, like used to get the test on like a Thursday, you know. But um, <laughs> the fact of the matter is that they're great betting days. They're 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 huge days, uh, events. People uh, flock to them. You know, you're going to go there. You're going to see people that, that you might uh, have met on social media or somewhere else, and. Uh, I mean, they're just they're just big events, and I mean, big events is, is what big events work in this this our society in the, in the U.S. So, um, what they're doing is is really is really great, and and uh, I mean, Pete's putting up a lot of money, and it's uh, you know, there's a lot of great guys out there, um, and you know, guys and girls, and there's people that, uh, that that do care and they they love the game and they want to they want to make the game better and that's that's like we were talking earlier it's frustrating when when you see the official uh, the establishment of racing kind of poo poo it or get you know semi semi like b list celebrity type people to like I, I, I don't know. No offense to any of them, but I just don't know what that's really accomplishing. I just don't know what that's accomplishing. So, um, I mean, any, any 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 kind of exposure, any way we can expose the game to, to people is is fine. It's not it's not bad. But there's a there's a segment of people out there that are hungry to bet. They're hungry to gamble, and. Those people get ignored, it, and and it seems nuts. It seems nuts, nuts, right? It seems crazy. But uh, no, I really want it's it's really great what those guys are doing. And it's, Absolutely. I hope it catches on, and I hope you know more people get involved and, and do more. And uh, I mean, the grassroots kind of things. The, a lot of times, they wound up you know making the biggest difference of all. True, indeed. So, anyways, I have my own uh, my own grassroots <laughs> movement tomorrow. Like I said, to going in circles live, we have Doug Salvador. I don't know if I'm going to have anyone else on because, like, after yeah, Doug, it's just it's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, I was going to see if I can get Pete Dank on. Uh, him and Kerry Thomas do the Thomas Herding evaluation of the Derby horses, and I know that they've been. Super busy because you know they keep adding horses. <laughs> they keep adding horses that no one knew was going to run in the Derby. They have no points. Um, but uh, we'll see if I can't get them on for at least ten minutes just to kind of uh, uh, see where they're at and uh, 
you know, give them a little bit of promo. People want to buy their um, their report, and it's been pretty accurate. He's been he's, yeah, it's very good. They've they've uh, they've tossed out some 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 overbet horses, and uh, based upon things that you're not going to see in the form. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna see if I can't get him on for just a little bit, and uh, yeah, you never know who else we might get it back on for a little bit, but. Uh, uh, I, I, if anyone out there is from Erie, Pennsylvania, I might need you to go knock on Doug's door and wake him up because he keeps strange hours. But uh, <laughs> he's he's really good, and, and uh, I'm telling you, uh, every every time genius, the mad genius. Every, every time you, he he's you, you talk to him, there's always you always come away uh, a little flummoxed by him how he survived this long, but. Uh, <laughs> You always come out with a little bit of knowledge. So, so all right. Well, it sounds good, Barry. And we'll see you back on Thursday. And uh, stay safe. We got the draw tomorrow. It's a big draw. I mean, so many inexperienced horses. Um, I, I know someone was saying, talking about, you know, maybe the inside isn't quite as bad. But mm. I think post one might not be as bad because you're not like pointing right at the rail, but uh, being inside for a lot of these horses that have had only a few races and have always been outside or on the lead, um, it, it'll, it'll, it'll be, it'll change a lot of, uh, at least from my standpoint, there's a lot of horses that if they draw um, a certain way, depending on who's inside of them, who's outside of them, where the speed lies, I think it's going to be a big factor this year as much as any factor because you have so many horses that are so close uh, in ability and so many inexperienced horses that um, the starting positions actually might be a, a bigger factor than they usually are. Well, if highly motivated draws the 10, it's go time, baby. If they're, uh, if they're going to move the derby back to a mile and an eighth, I think he's got a shot. But uh, It's go time. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to have to have the tractor beam pull him in that last eighth of a mile. And so That's okay. When he remembers who his mom is and remembers she usually only ran around one turn, not two. That's okay. But that's more stuff that you're going to get on That's Thursday right, night. on Thursday. Thursday night. All right. Thank you. All right, man. As always, tell Breezy she stay under control. <laughs> yeah, she's mad at me right now because she wants me to turn on the air conditioner, so... That's probably the next thing I'll do. Come on, man! You can't be just uh, you know what do you what do you got a sweat box up there? You're trying to. That's what she tells me. Man. <laughs> you know, in the end. Yeah, she's gonna get her way. So. Yep. We all know that. <laughs> all right, sounds good, and we'll talk to you uh, on Thursday. Thank all you, right. everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll, we'll see you next week. Hey everyone, I want to talk to you about BRL Equine. BRL Equine is a company that would be considered by most the premier equine supplement company in horse racing. They spent a lot of money, millions, on, on research and development before they put these products out. This is not a fly-by-night organization just tossing some couple things together and, and throwing it out there. The... They use FDA-supervised facilities. What they say is in the products is actually in the products. Nothing illegal, nothing illicit. 
it's perfectly legal and it's beneficial for your horse's health. They have a new product called Flexify that's been only uh, out on the market for I think about six weeks and the early returns are great. I know a lot of trainers that have given me feedback and these are guys that are going to tell me the truth. Um, there's a million supplements out there, a lot of things that people have tried that haven't really been effective and so far everyone seems to really believe that Flexify HA is, is, a, is a really excellent uh, supplement to help the horse's joints. Contact my friend Joe Vellante at 215-501-6880 or get a hold of me at goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com and I will get Joe in touch with you. And uh, if you're lucky, you might even get him for a lunch. But BRL Equine is a really good company, and they have some really, really good supplements. And if you're an owner, ask your trainer. If you're a trainer, give Joe a call. Thanks.